Welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Immunology. This podcast series aims to bring you expert and patient perspectives on the burden and unmet clinical needs associated with Prurigo nodularis, PN, the current and emerging treatment landscape for PN, and the importance of a holistic, multidisciplinary approach in establishing optimal treatment and care pathways for patients with PN. This activity is funded by an unrestricted independent medical education grant from Sanofi and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. This activity is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. In this podcast, two dermatologists, a psychodermatologist and a patient advocate, consider the clinical challenges that contribute to the overall burden of Perigo nodularis. Hello, my name is Manuel Pereira. I'm a dermatologist at uh, the Institute of Allergology at Charité Berlin. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Professor Martin Metz, also a dermatology at Charité. Also, Professor Anthony Bewley, a dermatologist with a special interest in psychodermatology at Bard's NHS Trust in London, UK. And Ms. Salaya Maganti, a patient advocate lead of Paragonodularis International, also in London, UK. And in this section, we will discuss the clinical challenges and overall burden associated with Paragonodularis. And I would like to start by saying that itch plays a central role in Paragonodularis. It all starts with itch. And uh, with the itch, patients uh, have the urge to scratch. Um, and the scratching of the skin leads to damage of the barrier, which enhances the itch in the long run. And this leads to um, other problems like sleep disturbance, like anxiety, depression, and general psychological disturbances. Um, and this itch scratch cycle really plays a central role in the pathophysiology of the disease and contributes also to its chronicity. Uh, Celaya, from your point of view as a patient, uh, how do you see this itch scratch cycle and and the, the psychological distress that it, it, it causes really? I think first of all, it's really important for us to, to say that we should not really be blaming the patients because a lot of the times when patients present in clinics where um, clinician does not have any experience or knowledge of the disease, the first instinct is to dismiss patients or to say stop scratching. That's not really helpful at all because patients are not there ripping apart their skin. These are not patients who typically had an scratch problem before, but when you have an itch, which you know I simply cannot describe the type of itch that nodularis or nodularis um, is, um, and we also need to remember second point is a lot of the times we have lesions myself and from the anecdotal evidence of my group and there's 5,000 members in my group that we do have lesions in areas of the skin which we can't reach so it's a very complicated disease so it's not necessarily that that skin has been scratched and a lesion has popped up so that's another thing as well which we need to remember and it's a complex disease the itch yes is the heaviest burden because it's relentless, it's day, it's night. So some of us, it has layers, you know, it's it's like you know, insects crawling under the skin, it's like daggers, it's like electrical shocks, it burns, it's painful. But we also need to remember there are no treatments. There are, there's a bunch of empirical treatments. And a lot of times these patients, their lives are falling apart, you know, you can't sleep. It, it, a skin disease like pride not lives, it makes you fair game to the world. You're, it's a very cruel disease. People think they can make nasty comments. Um, there's a lot of shame associated. Um, so there's a social element, there's an economic element. If you can't work and your whole life is falling apart, you can't sleep. So it's more complex than just sleep. Yes, sleep is a 
big factor, yes. So essentially your whole world is crumbling. And a lot of time, especially if a diagnosis has taken years, you don't even know what you're dealing with. So you're living with that uncertainty as well as to what it is you've got. And then when you've got a name, a lot of most times there's no treatment. What not most times there is no treatment. Um, so, so, so I think it's a combination of three things that can lead to depression or anxiety and unfortunately suicidal thoughts perhaps is A, it's that relentless itch. B, it's that just lack of um, treatments, lack of support, lack of unfortunately knowledge within the clinical setting. And even if there is knowledge, it's just not treatments. And and sometimes for some patients, which was in my case, I can't speak for other patients, is that desire to project an image of normality to the world, which itself is a heavy burden because you're trying to put forth the face of normality when your whole life is crumbling. Um, so I think from a patient perspective, it, it's a highly complex thing, um, but itch is central to it all. And that lack of any sort of real um, way of getting relief. I'll go to stay actually, if I can, please, Salaya. Uh, uh, um, often patients describe the lack of control over their body, which is so distressing. You know, they go to bed and they think, okay, well, I'm not going to scratch tonight as much as I can. And they wake up the following morning having scratched all over with their prorico nodularis. So sometimes patients feel it's a lack of control as well. They think, I'm doing everything I can to help my skin. Why is my skin behaving like this? And yes. you even scratch during your sleep. So it's it can also be an automatic behavior, really. And uh, so you have no control over that. It's if I can add a point to that, it's not it's no control over your body. It's not and then which translates to no control of your life eventually because of what the disease is doing to you. Uh, and you know, you're doing everything right, you know. And, and it may come as a surprise to some people, but providing not allows patients to live very healthy lives because they're watching what they eat, they're trying to exercise, they're trying you know, they're they're trying to cut down on everything which we deem as not being healthy. But to establish control. But yeah. I did want to make the point as well, if I could please, Manuel, that we are beginning to understand that it really is not the patient's fault. So we know in prorigo nodularis that there are neuronal changes, nerve changes within the skin. So we know that there is new nerve ingrowth generating a lot of this itch and changes within the skin, also the inflammatory changes within the skin. But we are also recognizing that there is a growing interest in neuroinflammation. In other words, that there are changes within the brain as a consequence of living with long-standing skin disease, such as prorigo nodularis. And we've talked now a lot about the psychological consequences of, of prorigo, but we also have new data on systemic conditions associated with prorigo. And it's very interesting to see that also systemic conditions that are not really related to itch, like cardiovascular conditions, seem to be uh, present at higher rates in uh, patients with prorigo compared to, to controls. Uh, Martin, <clears throat> would you like to comment on that? Because it's, it's quite surprising that certain conditions that are not itch-associated seem to be uh, present more often in, in patients with prorigo compared to patients with other conditions. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the question. Um... Is it uh, itch associated or is it not itch associated? I think we just don't, don't know enough. Um, maybe in some cases, some of these uh, comorbidities are indeed itch associated. But but you're absolutely right. So so what's uh, quite astounding um, when you look at the data and you collected many many of um, the data on this, then you see that basically every 
disease is more common in patients with prurigo, at least if you look at the whole group of patients. So it's not this one specific comorbidity, but you have higher rates of arterial hypertension, diabetes, um, chronic heart disease, kidney uh, problems. Um, so in, in almost every uh, disease you look, you have a higher rate um, in, in the population um, with prurigo patients. And that may, on the one hand, contribute to the itch that is the underlying cause of, of the prurigo in the end. Um, but it may just also be, uh, you know, these patients uh, are um, have high comorbidities, uh, maybe also because they're um, stressed throughout their lives. Uh, you, you can imagine that there are consequences on blood pressure uh, and so on um, due to the disease. So, so that the, the disease prurigo may also affect some of the comorbidities. And overall, this, of course, adds to the burden of the disease. Um, but I, I just want to uh, make one last point on, on my end. Um, these diseases are something that we as physicians always look out for. This is something that we can better understand. And, and we understand, okay, this is a burden that these patients uh, additionally live with, and we have to deal with this. And this is, of course, true. We have to address these comorbidities. But um, nevertheless, the itch still and I always want to get back to the itch. The itch is the central part. And um, it's just something that we as physicians often do not fully understand because we cannot see it, we cannot measure it, we cannot you know, uh, put it into a machine. Um, so all of these comorbidities are super important and we have, to, we have to, of course, look for them and address them. But don't forget that the itch is the main part of the disease. Um, and one last point I would like to discuss uh, and... Uh... Uh, and Salaya also talked about it, is the that sometimes it's not so easy to diagnose prurigo, um, spe especially in, uh, if, if the physician is not really uh, used to see patients with prurigo. Um, but the, the diagnosis is clinical. It's a clinical diagnosis based on the medical history and also on the dermatological examination. You may need some additional um, follow-up, uh, some additional workup, uh, like uh, skin biopsies or, or, or lab tests to uh, rule out other conditions, but mostly it's a clinical diagnosis. So if, if physicians do know the disease, they should be able to easily diagnose the disease. Um, as a clinician, Martin, how do you see this? Because we, we often see patients that uh, come to a specialist, specialized center like our center with uh, having ears itch and, and prurigo, but without a diagnosis. Yeah. Well, you, you said it. Um, if you know the disease, then uh, you're able to diagnose it quite well. So, so it's all about knowledge. We, it's too many physicians out there still are not aware of the disease, and this is this is what it what it needs um, education on the disease. Because um, once you you know it, there's there's not much difficulty in diagnosing. Yes, how do you see this, Salai? Because I'm I'm quite sure you also have from your. Uh patient group also this this experience that the diagnosis is hard to to get although actually if, if there is some knowledge of the disease it should be easy to diagnose yes that's right i mean i can also tell you from my own personal experience so i went through a nine-year um diagnosis odyssey for lack of a better um way of putting it and based in london being seen by some of the most respected probably skin clinics in the world um and i think for me it, there was an additional burden the additional issue is I am, you know, I'm an ethnic minority. I've got brown skin, Indian skin. So the disease 
presents very differently on different skin types, as you know better than me. Um, and looking at our group, um, it looks so different on different ethnicities, different skin colors, different skin types. So that presents an additional challenge. Um, so then there's that issue of representation as well in clinical training. So perhaps if I was Caucasian and I presented, maybe they would have recognized me sooner. Don't know. Because again, you know, looking at my group, of course, many of, you know, my fellow patients who are Caucasian have had, you know, diagnosis journeys of years as well. But I think there's that additional difficulty if you have colored skin. Um, and I do know members of my group who have been diagnosed straight off the bat first time with their general practitioner, not even going to dermatologist because their GP, again, knows and recognizes it. And, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they've seen someone in their daily practice or whatever it is. But and so it's it's interesting that, you know, for somebody like me, who's been seen by over 100 dermatologists before I got diagnosis. And I got my diagnosis in India, where I'm ethnically from, which is interesting. Yeah, that's an important point. There are definitely unmet needs also regarding ethnicity in Prorigo. Uh, and I think we have to work on this. Um, and I think with this, we we can conclude our discussion. Thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. Don't forget there are two other chapters in this series, so please listen in for further insights from the multidisciplinary team. You can access more content on dermatological conditions, including a Parigo-Nodularis-focused touch panel discussion with Professor Sonia Stander, Dr. Sean Quatre, and Professor Matthias Augustin on touch immunology at www.touchimmunology.com.